you ever wish that you knew the rest of your story? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I want to know the rest of my story. Um, sometimes I don't want to know. I like the surprise element. But if you could know the rest of your story, I mean the rest of your life and how it would end up, I'd just like to know, just a random survey today, how many of y'all would like to know the end of your story? Raise your hand. Just a few. Most people don't want to know. Is that right? So are you raising your hand or undecided? If you don't want to know, raise your hand. Most people don't want to know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm tracking with you. There are times, though, whenever you're in crises, whenever you're in the turmoil and the pit and whatever metaphor you want to put with it, that I look at my life and I think, is there another side to this? Is this valley for the rest of my life? Is this going to be what will be the capstone on my life? Does it ever come beyond this? Does it ever go beyond this? What, what happens? Does it happen? Does anything happen? Or will I continue to feel this way, think this way? Will we continue to relate this way if it's a relationship crisis? Is this what it's going to be like for the rest? Or is there, is there something on the other side? I think it like this, you know, do you ever feel like you're in a B-rated movie without a plot headed for a horrible ending? Think about it. You ever feel like that? I mean, I, I know I do. There are times that, that I think, is this really what life is supposed to be about? And think about it even, even further. I think that God really wants us to have more than potential. There's potential abounds in this room, all right? There's lots of potential. God has given lots of talent, lots of personality, lots and lots in this room that make up this room right now in this very hour. But is there promise? Just because the potential is there doesn't mean the promise will be lived out of that potential. Think about it in your life. Are you a B-rated movie without a plot headed for a horrible ending? If you were to come to 50, chapter 53 of Isaiah and be finding Isaiah, you'll find it in the back part of the, or the Old Testament. Go to Isaiah and you'll be finding there chapter 53. If you, the, Isaiah 53 was the description of your life, you would probably want to hang it up before it ever got going. Because that is not the life that you want. It's the life that was described, it was a descriptive life uh, uh, to be lived hundreds of years later in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to hang on that. Because this is a prophecy given hundreds of years before Christ of the life that He was going to live and how He was going to live it and and, and the descriptions. Just start noticing the descriptions as you look at Isaiah 53, as it's also called the suffering servant. Let me read this to you. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Surely he was born, uh, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he was esteemed, but, but we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we're healed. Now you see the trading out here of what is going on in our Savior? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now if you just take your Bibles and you just underscore several of these key words, despised, 
rejected, sorrow, a man of sorrows, that's his nickname, a man of sorrows, with grief and stricken and smitten by God and afflicted and pierced and, and crushed and chastised and, and wounds. And this is the greatest of them all. Laid on him the iniquity, the sins of all mankind. The greatest punishment, the greatest blow that Satan ever had was when the weight of all of mankind was put on his shoulders. That's Isaiah 53. That, if that was your life, you would want to hang it up before it ever started. So the next time you're having a bad day, a bad hair day, please go read Isaiah 53 and just measure yourself and see how bad your day is compared to the life of Christ. But I say that for a reason. Christ lived a life. Here's a life principle for you. Christ lived a life of punishment so that we could live a life of promise. Christ lived a life of punishment so that you and I could live a life of promise. It means it's all going to be sweet petunias, and it doesn't mean it's all going to be dances in the fields of daisies, a, a kind of life. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying a life of promise. A life of potential that has promise tied to it, that has a future. Because Isaiah 53, as sure as you turn from the last verse of chapter 53, you obviously come to chapter what? 54. It's a really easy answer. All right, you come to chapter 54. Now, the great thing is, it is the, the, the polar opposite. When you come to chapter 54, you come to a passage of Scripture here that is so polar opposite in, 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 its, in its content and its detail. A professor of mine said it like this. I went, even went back and looked at some old notes from 1992 college lecture class. It said, the ultimate fulfillment of chapter 54 is the church in its redemptive work of Christ. Where do we find out about the redemptive work of Christ? In chapter 53. Now, hang with me on this, because I think if you're in one of those crisis modes, if you're in one of those deep pits in your life, and if you're not there today, you'll probably be there tomorrow. You want to know where the promise is. You want to know where the, the deep down hope is. That on the other side, there is, there is hope, there is promise, there is potential. For the past 11 years, I have shared on this Sunday the same message every year. I've kind of enjoyed it myself. Probably if you've been here for the past 11 years, then you haven't enjoyed it. That's your skip day uh, because you've already heard that one, right? Uh, but but it's, it's one of those messages that brings me back center, that helps me to come back. Matthew chapter 16 is where Jesus introduces the concept of the church and he's going to start his church and he's going to, his church is going to be on the earth and it's going to advance his kingdom against the gates of hell and, and all this. It's just a beautiful rallying of what, what we're about here. First time I shared it, I shared it with four families in a living room in Rogers. Been sharing it ever since. But in April of this year, I came to Isaiah 54 and it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. And I have not been able to get away from chapter 54 since then. And I've been battling my mind, okay, God, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to think? And I've just been mulling it over and praying it through and, and all this. And then it was like, I felt like God was nudging me a little bit to share it on this Sunday. 
not, not because I'm going to, next year I'll probably come back and go right back to the same message that I've shared in the beginning. But, but this Sunday, it was, it was almost as if it's time for the congregation and this hour, at this very point in time that we are as a church, we need to hear this message. And it's still about the kingdom of God. In fact, everything is about the kingdom of God in the scriptures. Him establishing his kingdom. Him sending his son to establish his kingdom. His son giving us the keys to the kingdom so that we can add to the kingdom. And it's all about the kingdom and the reign of God in people's hearts and in their lives. And that's what Grace Point Church, I'll say this, is on a mission. It is on God's mission. It is on God's mission to be a community to raise up a community of believers who would be missionaries, who would be ministers, who would be disciple makers and disciples themselves. That's what we would be about, about seeing God's kingdom reign in us and seeing God's kingdom advance into the dark corners. But just as I was saying, chapter 53 is a very dark passage of Scripture. Chapter 54, though, is like turning light on in a dark room. All of a sudden, you hear promise. All of the very first verse, he tells us to start singing. I mean, you, you find this dichotomy as the differences of poverty and wealth. And you find this dichotomy, but it's because Christ lived a life of punishment so that we could live a life of promise. And in this promise, as it, as it unfolds here in this passage, I hope that you can look at your life And you can say that you are living a life of promise. Now, he identifies him as, in chapter 54, if you have your Bibles there, he identifies the person as a wife, as a bride, actually as a barren mother. Oh, barren one, he recognizes that person. Now, this is is a metaphor that is used throughout the Scriptures. It's used in the New Testament. Obviously, we as the church are considered the bride of Christ in the New Testament. But God's people for years have been recognized as the bride of Christ. For, for, for years and years, in fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3, Hosea 2, Ezekiel 16 and, verse, and chapter 23 as well, two times in Ezekiel, God's people are identified as a bride to the groom being God. Now hang with that metaphor for just a moment. Because in this passage that we're going to look at, just three or four short verses, the very first thing he talks about is a barren mother. And he tells the barren mother, as you see there, to sing. Now, if you know in our culture even here today, but I can take you back to the biblical times and and it would probably be escalated even more so. But the... The the wife had the greatest honor and felt the greatest calling in life was to raise children. And you can read the story of 1 Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and see how Hannah felt as a barren mother and you could grieve with her. And some of you ladies in this room have probably wept with Hannah. But there's really a dichotomy again whenever you come out of a dark chapter of 53 into chapter 54 and the very first word out of that darkness into this light is he tells us to sing and then he says barren one. So he's telling the person, the bride, who is barren to sing. Let's just read this passage and just kind of begin to unpack it. Chapter chapter 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren one. 
who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not been in labor. You have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her whom is married, says the Lord. Verse 2. Verse 2, as we read it, I want you to notice as we move from darkness into light, as we move from disaster into promise, I want you to notice as we move from barrenness into a promise of, uh, of future children in this metaphor, I want you to notice the, the, the change that needs to take place. And in one verse, he gives five imperative commands. If you're a person in this room today who feels like you're living in crisis, if you're, if, if, then listen to the promise of God and what He wants to do in you. But here's the thing. You do, in Christ, have a life of promise. But He's going to call on you and He's going to call on me. He's going to call on us to respond in obedience to Him. If I'm ever going to live the full promise of God, if I'm going to be in on what God is up to, then I'm going to have to obey, follow, go His directions. And in the next verses, verse 2, He says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. Verse 3, or go to verse 3. For you will spread abroad into the right, into the left, and the offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. I hope today that we as a church, and this is really a call to our church today. It's a call to an individual life, but it's a call to our church to look at our tomorrow as promise. Not just that we have this room full of potential, but we have a promise on the other side. Now the question is for us, how do we get ready for the promise on the other side? How do the people of Israel get ready for the promise of the promised land? How do the people of Israel get ready for the promise of a Savior? How do you and I get ready for a promise that God is wanting to do in us, take us from, for the people of Israel, they had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. That's the barrenness that they were dealing with. The brokenness, the valley, the darkness, the despair, the poverty that they were in. But in chapter 54, it turns the page. He says, sing, rejoice, get ready. I am going to do something. I'm going, I want you to enlarge your tent. That's the first. He goes on through all of these processes. He gives us in this, in this one verse of verse 2. He tells us, I want you to enlarge your tent. I want you to stretch out. I don't want you to hold back. I want you to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Now here, just bring it in here, just for a second. I don't know where everybody is in this room. I don't know where everybody is in your job. I don't know where everybody is in their relationship. I don't know where, everybody, where you are with your relationship with God. I, I just don't know, okay? I don't even know fully where we are as a church. <laughs> I know what I know, but I, I'm limited. But I do believe that God has a future for you. He has a future for us, a promise. Just like He did for the people of Israel. 
that if we are walking with Him, we're about His kingdom, we're about His future, He is going to give us the challenge, a promise that we need to be ready for. And how do I move into that promise? How do we move into that promise? It's that verse right there. We need to enlarge the place of our tent. We need to let the curtains of our habitation out. We need to stretch out. We need to not hold back. We need to lengthen our cords. We need to strengthen our stakes. It's metaphorically speaking. Let's break it down. Let me read to you out of the message. This is the way it said it in the message. I love this paraphrase. He said, clear the lot. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. You're going to take over whole nations and resettle abandoned cities. I hope today that you are in on what God is up to. I hope that you're in on it. I hope you're in on what God is up to at Grace Point Church. Our theme this year is I'm in. Tonight we're going to talk about what what does it mean to be in on at Grace Point Church. But today is that rallying time. To come together and to say, am I in the future? Am I involved? Am I ready to be a part of the enlargement of what God is doing at Grace Point? But also think of it on the micro, on your life. Are you ready for God to do in you the promise He wants to do in you? All right? Here's several things that he gives us. And these five commands, I just want to break apart verse 2 and just look at these five commands that he tells the people of Israel as they come through their barren state, through their 70 years of captivity, as they come through that valley and they come up to the land of promise. How do we get ready for that? How do we get ready for the future promise of God? One is you need to enlarge, we need to enlarge our capacity. The very first thing he says is enlarge your tent. You've got to think about this. These, these are tent-dwelling Israelites living in captivity. It's like living in a, in a shanty compound, if you will. They're not living in royal palaces. Remember, they're slaves to Babylon. They were uprooted, taken from their homes, taken to the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Under their rule of thumb, they lived in tents. They were broken. They were despised. They were impoverished. But God is saying, hey, I'm taking you from that barren state to a place of promise, to a place of growth. Get ready for it. And where some of y'all are down here, God's wanting to take you here. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel even here, guys. I'm just talking about where you are in the state of your heart, of your soul, of your mind, of your marriage, of your whatever. That darkness is where God may want to take you. And if he's going to take you from here to there, we're going to have to enlarge ourselves. Enlarge our capacity. The first thing he says, you've got to get ready. I'm going to take you to this place. I'm going to enlarge you. I'm going to grow you. My question to you today, where's God growing you? What's he doing in you? I'm going to take you back to the spring of this year. I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the past year. I'll take you back to the spring of this year. We did a study through the book of Nehemiah. We talk about your personal God-called vision. Just like God called Nehemiah, He called many of you to do something for Him. Something, if you remember back to what a vision is, something that should happen, something that could happen. And, And what was God calling you to? Forty of you wrote out statements of what God's vision for your life was, what God had pressed on your heart. Here's a question I want to ask you. What have you done with it? Is it still sitting on the shelf? 
Is it still just hanging out out there as a, as a pipe dream, as a one day, as a, as a someday kind of something? For, Forty of you. Now, there probably were 80 people that God was stirring. Did you take time to lean in? That is the process of God growing you. The promise, the potential may be there, but the promise will never be realized because we're not ready. We're not enlarging our tents. Why would you need to enlarge your tent if you're a barren nation? Because God has promise. And God is moving you from that darkness and that potential to promise. See, the the difference between a vision and fantasy is action. And if God is moving you, if God is rearranging you, then He is going to call you out, to grow you, to mature you as an individual. Where's God growing us as a church? You know, when I think about Henry Blackaby and his study, I refer to it so often, experiencing God. And he just talks about in there a very simple way of knowing God's will is look at where God is moving and just joining. All right? That, when you see God at work, then that's your invitation to join Him. It's exactly the way Jesus lived out His life. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Real simple. You're living in a relationship with Jesus. You're watching around for, with, with spiritual eyes. What is God doing? When you see God up to something, whether you feel gifted, whether you like it or not, whether it's your thing or not, you get on board and you go with it. Because that's your invitation to get in on what God's doing. Listen, I didn't dream up this big, hairy, audacious goal that we talked about a year ago this time of alleviating the orphan needs of Northwest Arkansas. That wasn't something that I just woke up in the middle of the night and we got to do something. Here, let's go do this. What I saw in our church was so many families foster caring for children, loving orphan cares in nations around the world, adopting locally and internationally. I saw already God swelling up inside of our church, welling up inside of our church, this this whole concept, this whole passion and compassion of caring for orphans. You know what I said? Pretty simple. God, you're up to that. Let's get on up. And so from that point forward, we've started moving in the direction of, 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 of expanding an orphan care ministry. Thus, Randy Willis being on our team for that very reason. You'll hear about that more tonight. Where's God up to? What's He doing in your life? What's He doing in our church? I'll tell you right now, it was one of those things that kind of shocked me this past week when we found out that from last year, July, to this year, July, our church has grown 17%, just month to month, from one month to uh, month of July to the next month of July. Now, all I can say about that is if God's adding, we need to add space. And thus we're doing it. You see a bomb crater out there right now. A building will soon start coming up out of the ground, all right? I promise. But what, what, what was that something we just dreamed up? We just like to add, build edifice? No, because this God's adding to our church. We need to make sure there's space. Here we go with this. Again, what's God doing in your life? Where is He telling you? You need to go out and you need to clear out some rocks and you need to clean out some debris because I'm going to grow you. I'm going to 
expand you. You're going to have to make your tent bigger. You're going to need to clear it out. Where's your, where are you short on capacity? That God is wanting to grow your capacity. Think about it. Number two, and I think these are almost sequential. In fact, they're very much sequential. You need to stretch beyond your comforts. You need to stretch beyond your comforts. He even said that. He said, let the curtains be stretched out. Be stretched out. Now, you've got to understand, the way, the way these nomadic people made their tents in this day was dried goat skin. Even research this past weekend, what they would do is they would take the dried goat skin, they would stretch it out as far as they could, and then they would make and sew them together and make a tent. That's how they would live their nomadic life. It wasn't all this material and nylon and so forth that we might have today to make a tent. But if you are trying to maximize the cost, you're trying to minimize the cost, excuse me, and you're trying to maximize the space, what do you do to stretch that goat skin a little bit further? You get it wet, you beat on it a little bit more, you stretch it a little bit more, you turn it a few more inches, and you get a few more inches out of it. You stretch it, it applies tension, it creates heat, it creates this anxiety. Guess what? God is wanting to stretch many of you in this room today. Stretch you maybe beyond your comfort zone, stretch you, not not tear you, because then you become useless. But He is calling us to be stretched. He is calling us to go beyond our comfort zone. Let me ask you this question in your life. What are you doing today? that drives you to prayer and absolute dependence on God? What are you doing, giving, serving? What are you, how are you living? That absolutely you are living in such a way that you're being stretched that if God doesn't show up, you fail. It all falls apart. Because what we like to do is we like to get into a comfort zone. We like to get into where it's nice and cozy. William Carey in 1700s, a shoemaker in Scotland, read this passage of Scripture, read this verse, and he becomes the father of the modern missionary movement. And he read about how we need to enlarge our tents and how we need to stretch our, and we need to stretch out and we need to stretch our curtains and we need to do all. He read all this and he took a map of China and he laid it out. And he began to pray over China. He'd never been to China in his life. He was from Scotland. He began to pray over China. God, what about the people, the many unreached people of China? Well, God didn't send him to China. God sent he and his family to India. And I'll tell you right now, you read his biography, he had a horrible, it was a difficult, a very trying experience. All along, God was stretching him. All along, God was using him. And to this day, if you study missiology, every historic professor of missiology will take you back as the father of the modern missionary movement to a guy named William Carey, a shoemaker. He could have been much more comfortable making shoes. But God stretched him well beyond his comfort zone, well beyond Scotland, well beyond Europe, to a dark place in the world that he had never been before. I wonder in this room if we're going to live not to our potential but to the promise of God, how much of us are going to be willing to enlarge our capacity first? And if we're going to do that, that means we're going to have to be stretched.
we're going to have to be stretched way out. Are you willing? Is your family willing? Are your children willing? Are, are you willing to just give up the, and say, God, all my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions, my job, my career, my salary, every, it's all yours, God, whatever that means. It doesn't mean you have to walk away from it and go away a pauper. It means, God, if you want it, it's yours. My life, it's yours. I'm surrendering it all to you. I'm, I'm allowing you to stretch me, God. There's no place. There's nothing that I'm holding on to, God, that you can't take and use. Number three, remove God out of your box. If you're going to live beyond your potential, in quotations, to the promise of God, enlarge your capacity. Stretch yourself. But I also want you to hear this. Remove God from your box. He gives five commands in this passage of Scripture. Stretch out, enlarge your tents. Stretch out the curtains. The only prohibition that he gives is this one. He says, don't hold back. Don't limit what God wants to do. If God's wanting you to start a new business, put it all out there. If, if God's wanting you to start a body life group, don't hold back. Get out there. If God's wanting you to just go across the neighbors and just share the love of Christ in a very simple way, don't hold back. But what we do is we, again, live in our comfort zone, live in our little boxes, in our little tents, and we don't want to be stretched, and we are not willing to enlarge our capacity. And God is wanting to enlarge our capacity. He's wanting to stretch us creating tension and friction and heat in our life at times. Yes, it will do that. But he's also going to do that, but we can't resist him. We cannot hold back. We've got to put it all out there. Here's a life principle again for you. Don't allow our own limits to determine God's limits. God is without limits. But whenever I take God and I put him in a box and I say, God, this isn't available for you, then what I've done now is I have limited God. Even though he's limitless, I have limited him in my life. He calls us not to hold back. The New Living Translation, he says, spare no expense. Where is God in your box? Is he in your time box? I don't have time, God. I just don't have the space in my schedule. It's in your talent box. You've got talents. This room's got full. Again, potential abounds in this room right now. But are you willing to put your talents out there and saying, God, use me. Use what you've educated me. Use my passions. Use my personality. Use how you shaped me. Use my... Here, here, listen to this. What if you took your life experiences good and bad, and put them out there for God to use. Even the dark parts of your life where you don't let anybody else go. Is it available for God? Time, talents, treasures. You know, as we expand our campus and, and grow our campus, I'm reminded back to when we built this campus. 
And we built the campus with a lot of faith and a lot of people sticking their, their necks out and saying, listen, we're in on this, we believe in this. But we can only build to the level of the generosity of our people. All right? Pure and simple. We got good mathematics. We got good counsel. We're doing the same thing on the next phase. We did, we, we did everything that we did under good counsel, and we're not going to overbuild to where we serve the mortgage, all right, here or in the future or ever as long as I'm the pastor. But think about that in every area of your life. If I limit my time, if I limit my treasure, if I limit my talents, is God limited? No, I limited God from what He might want to do in my life. Hear the commands. Hear the cry. After 70 years of living in Babylonian captivity, the call to worship, the call to sing, oh barren one, call because why? I'm going to enlarge your tent. You know, because you're going to need to enlarge your tent. You're going to need to stretch out your curtains. And don't hold back. The last command that it gives us, I rolled up into one. Number four is move forward with confidence and strength. Notice, go back to verse two. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. And then he says, in the last command, he says, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Now think about this. Just envision this tent being fabricated, being made, goat skin stretched out as far as it can go in the Sahara Desert or in the Arabian Desert, or wherever you want to put it, where the sandstorm could blow through and knock it over, the only way that is going to be secure for the promise of God is to have a sure stake in the ground, to have a good, strong cord. Again, all metaphorically here, but I think you're he hearing what it's saying. And, and that is that make sure you move forward knowing that your tent is strong. You've got the confidence. You've got the strength. You can do, yes, we can move forward with this. We can move forward. Because let me say this. I said it back when we were talking about Nehemiah. We'll say it to you again. When you come to a threshold of God's vision, many, if maybe not, 75 to 95% of the time. What keeps people from walking into the vision of God and fulfilling the promise of God, the thing that keeps them from moving forward many times is fear. They come up on the threshold. God's calling them. They, they know this is what God wants them to do. They come up to that threshold and what keeps them from stepping across the line is fear. We read verse 3, excuse me, we read verse 2. Look at verse 4. The very first words, fear not. For you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded. I, I want to say to you, God has a room full of potential right here. But he also has a lot of promise promise of moving from that barren state, from that dark place to a place of promise. 
I think as a church, if we all come together tonight, if we all come together in the future, and we all can say, I am in, I'm a part of the future, I'm ready to move forward, enlarge my tent stretch, I'm not going to hold back, I'm going to put my stake in the ground, I'm going to move forward with confidence and assurance that God's in on this, and I'm not holding back then we're going to go a long ways as Grace Point Church. Our next decade will dwarf our first decade. What about you as an individual? The people of Israel came upon the the promised land. And what was the one thing that kept them from going into the promised land? That sent them 40 days, excuse me, 40 years back into the wilderness? Fear. Fear. Promised land was trumped by fear. God's promise for your life, will you allow fear to trumpet? I pray not. I pray we as a church will not let fear control us. I pray we as a church will not hold back, but we will spare no expense for what God is calling us as a church to be about. I pray we as a church will stretch and go through the tenuous process. We'll go through the stretching and the pulling and the, and the heat and the friction so that we can make room for what God's calling us to do. Are, are you in your place in life ready to step into the promise and not just live with potential? The gap between the two could be fear or faith. The difference. Would you bow your heads with me? I hope we as a church, hope you as an individual, because you're part of this church, if you call Grace Point home. I hope that we will look at this at the macro, but we'll look at this as the micro as well. Individual lives, realizing that God has a future, God has a plan. God wants to take me through crises so he can bring me out of crises. It's not about just having potential. It's about living in his promise. And here's the question I want you to ask yourself. It's a question I'm asking all of Grace Point Church tonight as we meet. And that is, are you in? Are you in for the future? Are you in for the promise? Are you in for the stretching? Are you in for the no holding back? Are you in for moving forward and growing, allowing God to grow us as He grows you, as He expands His kingdom in the hearts and lives of people? It's a rally time for us, church. Let's start with you today. Lord Jesus, You know where we're at. You know where everyone in this room is the visions, the callings that you've put on everyone here. And God, don't let us hold back. Don't let us sit comfortably inside our tents, content or wallowing in misery, whatever the case may be. But help us to hear the call for singing, the call as a church to rise up and to enlarge our tents, to stretch our curtains, to not hold back, to put down stakes and cords that will hold us through whatever comes our way. Help us to have that level of commitment 
and the calling on our own individual lives and our calling as a church. Help us to stand. Help us to rise. Help us to be in on what you're in on and what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus.